Hey everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, just want to remind you that if you have an Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a Fire Stick or Fire Cube or whatever it would be, a Fire Box if you're old school, uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your Amazon device add the channel and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night. All right. Uh, it's a CMS podcast network, cmspn.com. And it is now on Amazon. So get it. All right. All right. Here's the episode you came to see. It is Aftershocks right here on AftershocksTV.com. And joining us right now, one of my favorite artists of the last 20 years. I have been a huge fan of this band uh, forever and ever, it seems like, at this point. And um, I'm very glad to welcome them back once again. They have a brand new release, which is surprisingly, not surprisingly awesome, I guess. It is Escape of the Phoenix. And joining us right now, it is Evergrey's vocalist. It is the one and only Tom England. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you before we start talking about the new record. I'm gonna see if your memory is as good as mine. Probably not. Probably <laughs> this would have been about oh, whenever Inner Circle came out, uh six, 16 years ago or whatever, 18 years ago. But Myself and my radio partner at the time actually brought you into a little tiny recording studio in Cleveland to do a uh, a fan acoustic set with uh, you know with like ten fans and it's still one of those things that that we that I play here on the show every now and again, man. Because oh, really? yeah, it's it, it was just such a cool. It's just a little three song thing, but you guys could not have been cooler, man. With with ten, you treated ten fans like you were playing in front of ten thousand, man. It was such a good time. <laughs> well, ten ten is the most people we had at a show ever, so it doesn't make a difference. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that's not actually, true. Man. I do actually. I do remember this. It was me and Rickon, right? The right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we were on tour with maybe with Inflames or something like that. I like think that. so. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was just a good time, man. And, uh, you know, it's not that I needed uh, right at that point is when you had hooked me in with Recreation Day and then Inner Circle. And, you know, I personally have been along for the ride and, and it's been a great ride and it continues to be a great ride. I'm just going to tell you up front, love Escape of the Phoenix, man. It's a great record. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a long ride. That's for sure. sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, of course, when we released the uh, Inner Circle album, whenever that was, like in 2003, I guess. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Four, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine sitting here like 17 years later doing this. It's, uh, I mean, I'm talking to all my friends and they are executives at the whatever and, right. you know, traveled this ladder of success and I'm doing the same fucking bullshit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll bet your friends may be at, at different levels of success, but I'll bet you they haven't entertained as many people as you have. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, dude, let's dig into this record, man. Um, sure. You know, Escape of the Phoenix is, uh, 
unless I'm mistaken, it's the first time in like five years that you did not write toward a single concept. Talk a little bit about that, man. Was that, was that hard for you to kind of get away from a, an established storyline and create something different after so many years of kind of writing toward a theme? I think quite the opposite, to be honest. I, okay. I think, uh, not saying anything bad about that that process we went through for Humans for the Broken up until uh, the Atlantic. I mean, it was 2013 to, yeah, 2020, basically, where we wrote and, and composed in the same... I mean, even though it's three different albums, it's, it's sort of in the same storyline vibe-wise anyway. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was... Uh, I mean, it was such a huge project to take on. We didn't even know if we would accomplish that in the end. So for us to finish that off and then stepping into a new new vibe, I would say, or 11 different vibes since it's 11 different songs. It's just quite a relief, relief, basically. It gave energy to needed energy that I needed to we try to reinvent ourselves all the time. We try to make the best song possible. And for the last three albums, we needed to be in this world of creation or in creativity. And uh, for this one, we, um, we wanted to do something new. So. Sure. What were the last three, the, the, the element of you wanting just to see if you could do conceptual work or, or was it that you just felt you had such a strong idea that it just, kept creating songs to tell it. I mean, I did, I, I've, I've read every interview, I think, or l- watched every interview listened to, but I never really heard you talk about why you, you decided at that point to do such an extended concept. Well, I guess I was in a period of my life where, where, where a lot of changes happened and it started off with it, with it happening to a bunch of us uh, and, and going through divorce as it was for me. And, sure. You know, leaving a safe harbor in a way, and becoming somebody new, and discovering all those things uh, through the process was not something that I knew where I would have the result and when I would have the result. So therefore, I couldn't go out and say I'm going to write about this. And I, it was not particularly something that I wanted to sort of brag about or talk about that loudly either. You know, it's like right. I was just writing. Like I've always been writing, I've, uh, I've always written about myself, and 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 uh, maybe even sometimes a bit too carelessly towards myself, you know. Because okay. I, when I write, I don't, I don't really, I don't really think about the fact that it's going to be out and released on a piece of plastic or for the rest of you guys to hear. Right. I, I just write for myself, and uh, uh, yeah. So no, I did, I didn't, I didn't know if I would write about it for one albums or two albums or three albums. But when we wrote about it for after the first album, I said, it would be cool if we kept on doing this and followed my process throughout uh, up until the, the end of it. And sure. I guess the escape of the Phoenix uh, could very much be the, the, the new start or whatever. Sure. Definitely. Now, now with, um with the new release with escape of the Phoenix, um, are these all, brand new like 2020 type songs or were some of these ideas that you had that didn't fit the the previous concept no i mean the thing is i think there i learned through the years that there are music that you write that are um music that you need to write okay you know 
uh, and that not necessarily will end up on any album or anything. It's just music that you need to have written in order to get to the real song that you want to write, you know. And I, I would I would think that we would have material for at least two to three full albums lying around, you know, that we're not going to use because whenever we want to start to write the new album, we start to write the new album. And then the sort of old stuff is old, you know. Right. So, so there were no music written for this album uh beforehand if you want i mean okay. we write all the time so when we get into this uh, mindset of writing yeah now we're gonna write the new evergrey album then of course we start to write and that happens before we all meet and we write on our own and then we hook up and mo most of the times me and jonas the drummer we we hook up first and share our our ideas and then sort of scale down on what we want to share to the rest of the band or should share to the rest sure of the band. So, Definitely. Yeah. So well, there, are, there is no no material that we gonna use or was. Okay. Sure. Now, now listening to the album, and I've listened to it, I don't know, a dozen or so times at this point. The one thing that just jumps off is how much heavier it is than the Atlantic. It's a much more meaty, heavy. It's way more metal than you've been in in a little while. Was that um was that on purpose, or was that just the way you were writing at the time, or what? No, it's not on purpose because I also think that the Atlantic has a has a, a lot of meat and metal on that one sure. as well. But what I think is standing out on this album and what I think you are actually unconsciously referring to is that we have a new tuning in 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 on the guitars. Mm -hmm. It goes down even lower than the A A seven string A tuned guitar we have before. So this is a drop G guitar, which okay. adds a lot of more meet in those lower regions and that is uh, perceived as a heavier sound and also we have a new guitar sound so but yeah there are a lot of speedier songs too uh, sure this album. so so yeah it's uh but no we we don't we don't uh we never sit down the only thing i think that we have said throughout the years is that let's write an album that is great to play live that we have oh, said wow. for each and every album and it never happened so sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and you've definitely accomplished that this time. I mean, the, the first taste that you gave people, "Forever Outsider," you know, very heavy tune, very good tune. Uh, you know, talk talk a little bit about not only the song itself, but why was that chosen as the first song to introduce people to the to the album with? Uh, honestly, this is the first time we haven't chosen any of the songs to be either videos, lyric videos, or first singles or whatever. We, we have left all of that to the label because we figured we have 11 songs that we are equally proud of and we can't sure. see any sort of... We couldn't find a reason to release one song before the other, you know? So for, for we said to our German label that, hey, dude, you, you decide, you know? We don't <laughs> want to bother with it. So... So, uh, but speaking about that song, it's actually the first song that we did finish for the album. Okay. It was quite fun in that aspect because it was an idea that came from Jonas, the drummer. He also plays a lot of guitar. And then I brought in the, the chorus to it. And then it sort of, with all of us in the room, then it becomes a, becomes a every great song. But yeah, it's a very heavy guitar-driven track. Sure. Were, were you comfortable giving that up? Cause uh, you've, you know, you, you personally have pretty much handled every aspect of Evergrey since day one, you know, was it, was it comfortable to let somebody else make the decisions and were you comfortable with the decisions they made? 
if I if I if I would have had an album where I where I knew that you know we have uh, five songs that are exceptionally exceptionally great and mm-hmm. six songs that are yeah they're good album tracks then I would have then I would have had a problem with li- leaving it to them but for as I said for for this album we each and every song we could have made a video for to be honest sure. of course then eternal nocturnal from a label perspective is the most commercial song okay evergreen could make and and then it's even better that i didn't make the decision so right sure you know you say that but i i, I might argue with you that the the current single when august mourns is much more catchy you know it, it's got that kind of a gallopy sound to it and it's you know that one may be more catchy to to lure new people in and that's the great thing. And hopefully, if you work as a record label, you have some sort of grip of the situation and sure. know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that sure, but, uh, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there it's two different types of songs, uh, uh, which is good to, as you said, to bring the most people in. That's what we want. That's why we're here. So Sure, definitely. Now, um, you know, you're, you guys are no different than any of the rest of us with this pandemic and the pandemic is, you know, really changed everything. How did it change? You know, you obviously wrote this record, I believe during the pandemic, how did it change creatively for you guys? And how did it, how has it changed just because you were stuck at home instead of doing what you normally do, the festival circuit and the, you know, playing shows and, and whatnot? I mean, it sounds arrogant and a bit obnoxious, to be honest. But for us, it's been a blessing, to be to be honest, because we, this was already scheduled for us. We had all all of the things lined up uh, as far as having three months to write the album, or four to five months, and then record it and whatnot. So for us, it was uh, just lucky that it happened during this period of time, because as you said, we didn't have to travel to the U.S. or Brazil or or or, or and don't don't get me wrong we love to do those things sure. when you're in the creative process i also love to do that and usually you don't get to do that only you have mm-hmm. to be in and out of this world and uh, this is a result of uh, what happens when we get to do what we what we want to do mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah for us it's been a peace of mind album and not the iron maiden one but uh, <laughs> Certainly. Now, uh, you know, one other thing about um, Escape of the Phoenix, uh, you you guys got James Labrie to come on on The Beholder. How I'm sure you've known him over the years. You know, how did that come about? Did you just send him an email or give him a call or how, how does James Labrie end up on the new Evergrey? Uh, this is so funny because it sounds like uh, like a like a construction of, of, of what I'm going to tell you now. But we were sitting in the Evergrey studio. Uh, all the five of us sort of finishing the songs. Okay. So we were listening to this song over and over and over again. And I was like, it's 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 lacking something. And we were listening to it and over and over again. That's how we do it. Sure. And, then, and then I said, we should have a guest vocalist. And everybody sort of turned silent. <laughs> <laughs> and then pretty much in the same voice, everybody said, it's got to be James. It's got to be James. Okay. Even the keyboard player was jumping up and down and said, he's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. <laughs> so, so I, and then I wrote James the email and telling him about the concept of the song and, and, and so of course, asked him. And, uh, and, and he just wanted to he- hear the song. And uh, then he was happy with it. Yeah. And wow. he loved the song. So, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a that's a heck of a get from just a just an email and hey, I want this guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I mean through the years, through the quarter of a century, I guess you sort of work these things in and you know, maybe have them in your I don't know, vortex. I don't sure. Know. Yeah. Definitely. Now, now uh Tom, you know, certainly certainly with, with the pandemic, it's taking away in my opinion, Evergrey's best asset, which is your live show, you know, how, how has it been for you guys? You know, are you, I, I know you guys like every band, you try to get a plan together of when you can go out and tour. Now you have a record that you want to tour, you know, is, is, are you guys going stir crazy? Just waiting for this shit to figure out what it's going to do. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, quite devastating. I mean, being a touring, being a professional touring musician, like we are, it's, this is something that we have done for such a long time. Sure. And it's something that if we don't get to do this, it's, it's, um, we sort of, we've lost half of the purpose, you know, mm -hmm. because, or even more because I mean, being a creative musician, of course, the creativity part is huge and important and is what brings you the product and whatnot. But for me, it's about the interaction with the audience, with our friends, with the people in different cultures and give, getting that immediate interaction with people that you get only when you play music live because that's when we unite and that's when we become, then that's when it becomes an evergreen show with the people, you know, it's uh, with, with you guys. It's like, without it, it's like doing all these fucking streamed live concerts. Yeah, it's great and all and uh, yeah, but it's, but it's not, you know. Right. <laughs> it's we're, we're lacking what needs to be there. So, yeah. You know, and it's funny you bring that up. Cause I I've spoken to a few people that, that do the streaming thing. Uh, most, most recently Morgan Rose from seven dust. And he told me flat out, he said, he said, we do it, but it sucks. He said, it's just not fun. And it's, you know, there's no energy. And, and that's a big, I don't think people understand how big of a deal that is to play to silence. You know, I, I guess if you've never been in a band, and you've never, you know, when you're in a band, you can practice in the rehearsal studio until you've got every note of it down and it never feels like you're doing anything. And then you can go and play a sloppy performance on a stage and you can feel like you murdered the world because yeah. you got that energy coming back to you. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, we did one of those shows we did we, and we were one of the earliest ones to do it. I think, sure. Because we did one in June last year. Okay professional and cameras and it looks fantastic and we even had 50 people in the audience okay it like yeah one guy <laughs> per table <laughs> so, right <laughs> uh, but even those 50 people made such a huge difference because you know they're there you know you get something you get you, uh -huh. you get rewarded by playing on stage you know it's a and uh, without the audience there is no reward so sure do you, do you worry at all that Escape of the Phoenix might end up becoming like so many artists are going to have that lost record because you don't get the chance to, you know, there's only so far you can take it with the internet. There's just only so far that Spotify or whatever is going to take it in interviews like this and, and whatever. Do you yeah, worry that same time? Yeah, I get, I get, get to where you're going, but at the same time, the world is on hold in a way. Right. Of course, if, if this, if this, uh, it's going to last for another three years. Yeah. Then it's going to be one of the lost albums in terms of live shows. But on the other hand, nobody saw this album either. And that's not going to change, you know? So 
it's gonna be like pushing the pause button and letting that go i hope and uh, and then we have to sort of hopefully pick up from where we left off you know sure uh, i think there's a before and after this pandemic for sure and definitely for european bands coming to the us i think it's going to be a real challenge it was a challenge before and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah. And I have to imagine not not only here in the U.S. but over there as well. You know, here every other day I see clubs closing. You know, I see that, and they're not coming back because they, you know, they just don't have the funds to to reopen or to wait it out. You know, it the the thought is that it's going to be a huge logjam to play anywhere because every single band in the entire world, and not only in the metal world, you know, metal, rock, pop, everything are going to be looking at these same venues, trying to find, trying to find places. I'm in, I'm anticipating going to a lot of Monday shows because <laughs> it's going to be every day. Yeah. But on the other hand, that's also what's going to open up new clubs. That's also yeah. what's going to bring new, new opportunities to do great stuff. So we have to look at it from a, from a possibility perspective instead of what's going to be lost in this, because we're all affected by this. No doubt, some some people are getting richer of this, but uh, yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm worried about is is the fact that if this goes on any longer, like I would say mm-hmm. two quarters, then, right. then all of us who are creative people and are not selling millions of albums are gonna have to do something different. Right. Then it's gonna be very hard to step back into these shoes so i really encourage record labels and spotify and apple music and and the fans who can to support your local artist because it's uh it's uh it's hard but it's hard for anyone i I get that but i'm just saying it as it is sure i you know i i get asked this all the time and i'll ask you as an artist where is it better to go to support the artist is it better to go to the artist website or the label website or who for us it's buying merch uh off of our official sites where we have the best deals basically and of course then buying you know like now supporting our albums when they are coming out and and pre-ordering stuff and all of that great and I'm so lucky to be a metalhead because it's the best fans in the world and they sure. do support us. We, we, I mean, we have such a tremendous support from the pre-ordering for this album that uh, I think it's going to even surpass the older ones. So it's, and that's without playing live. So it's, uh, it's just great. We're very yeah, grateful for that. So. Sure. Definitely. Well, Tom, as we've said a couple of times, the new album is called Escape of the Phoenix. It is, of course, Evergrey. And um, since we're talking about um, supporting the band, why don't you give out the plugs where people should go online to keep up with you and buy or pre-order the merch, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, we have we have different spots. But, I mean, you, you will reach most of it through our Facebook and through our Instagram, and uh, th- that's it, basically. And if you scroll and roll, we, we have so many different links that you will get you to the right spot. And watch our videos on YouTube. Uh, Excellent. Spread the well, word. Most we, of all. we will definitely do that. And Tom, as always, man, it's great talking to you, man. You too, buddy. All right. Thanks for listening to aftershocks for more episodes. Go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com 
Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. All right, everybody, another great interview right here on Aftershocks TV. And before we go, just want to remind you one more time, make sure you get over and subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. You can watch, you can listen, you can subscribe to everything that we do, not only us, but uh, the classic metal shows, Shockwave Skull Sessions, uh, Talk To Me. It's all there, one site, get four great shows, never have to do anything again, but be entertained. So check it out, uh, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. Until next time, folks.